Dr. Uh, Marianne, she just is amazing and um, just such a support. And the work that she's doing in Step by Step um, is just been amazing because there's so much sacrifice in this work. There's so much that has been poured into this work. There's so much, um, you know, intent that has been put in to make sure that something can be delivered at a quality level for all of our kids and communities near and far. So I just don't want to, you know, negate the opportunity to be able to um, edify her and the work that she does. The same person you see in these 15 minutes that is passionate about the program is the same person who assess the kids, tutors, teaches teaches tutors, teachers, teachers, just all that's the same person, right? It's the same love and, and, and passion. And the thing that you mentioned at the beginning that you empower um, and, and encourage, I think is so powerful because I think it speaks to who you are as a person and that that's the part that people should connect to. And that's the part that people should realize needs the sponsoring and the support to continue this work in the world. So continue to do an amazing job. I um, stand for you and I just, you know, support you as much as, you know, as we can. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dyslexia Solutions podcast channel, where I interview parents of dyslexic children or teachers of dyslexic children. I also interview dyslexic adults, and sometimes I just share from my heart. Our purpose is threefold, to empower you with information, to encourage you that you're not alone, and we're always seeking sponsors to help keep our message forward. Dyslexia impacts one in five children, and it needs to be addressed now. Hi, I'm Dr. Marianne Sintron, founder of Step-by-Step Dyslexia Solutions. We are a 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization, and I equip heroic teachers with an effective literacy program to remediate dyslexia so we can close the achievement gap, stop that school-to-prison pipeline, and prepare kids for success in school and in life. I'm also a published author of A Message of Hope, How Music Enhances Reading for Dyslexic Children. And I'm an app developer of the famous music and spelling app called Dunking Dyslexia. So I want to introduce you today to my very special friend and guest from Christian Business Partners, Rebecca Panowitz. She is a mother who is dyslexic. She's a single mom and she has a son who is also dyslexic. And she is the uh, CEO of Memory Quilts Blue Jean Comfort, as you can see in her logo here. I'm going to um, have her come into the room right now. Rebecca, welcome. Hi there. Good afternoon. <laughs> well, good to see you. Good to see you. Would you tell the um, audience a little bit about your background? Um, yeah, I grew up sewing when I was a kid. I learned how to sew almost 30 years ago. I got straight A's, sometimes B's all through school. 
And uh, when I got into college, it just really presented that I was struggling with um, doing things that were not oral. And it kind of came across when I first got my driver's license as well. I was 18. My mom had to force me into getting my driver's license. Um, But I got more questions wrong than I ought to have on the written test. But when the uh, worker asked me the questions orally, I was able to get them all. I knew all the answers. It was not a problem. Um, I kind of started looking at what might be the problem. And I hated reading out loud. Always hated reading out loud. Um, And struggled through college, but still managed to keep up my grades for the most part. I ended up with two associate degrees and a certificate. Um, One degree in sign language which was the best thing that I've ever done in my life. It's very cool. And uh, a degree and certificate in child development. Um, Sign language gave me the conceptual world of understanding and and catching on to conversations. So instead of having to go point by point, word for word, very logistical, uh, both my parents are very logistical. My sister is very logistical. I'm the only one who's kind of out there on a different, on a different plane. And uh, I do a lot with my hands. I do a lot with listening. And uh, by doing that, I've been able to retain information, whether it's putting it into a song, putting it into some sort of a funky rhyme and actually became a preschool teacher. And I love the kids books. I adore the kids books because they're in rhymes and because they're imagination. So it, it, definitely helped me out a lot. (laughs) Well, and what research is showing that the four areas where dyslexic people really thrive is in the arts and, you know, the arts, uh, being entrepreneurs, being engineers and architects. And I'm, you know, impressed with your creativity with your quilts. Why don't you share a little bit about that with the audience, how you preserve memories for parents of their young ones? Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's parents who give me their children's clothes as they grow older or whether it happens to be sports. Um, I've done a sorority one, um, several sports ones, several, several baby clothes and toddler clothes kind of things, as well as clothing from loved ones who've passed on. Um, families who definitely still want that snuggle. They want that comfort and it's fabrics that they it just takes up so much room in the garage or a closet or whatever. And um, they entrust me with it, which I feel so honored. And I'm deeply respectful for every piece of clothing I get. Um, I lay them all out, whether it's on the floor, on the counter, on my bed, wherever space I have. And I just sit back and let it talk to me and tell me what I should do. Um, And then I will take it from there, cut out what I need to do. Um, the hardest part for me is getting the sizing right for whatever size quilt they want, um, because it involves a lot of math. <laughs> Fortunately, what do, you, what do you tell parents who uh, don't want to cut up their kids' baby clothes? Um, for example, I've got boxes of it in my cl- in my garage, just that I can't imagine cutting it up. And you had a wonderful solution for me. So tell the audience what your solution for those parents would be. My biggest part is that I use every piece possible. So even though I may be cutting up some of it, there's also ones that I will put in as whole pieces because they just need to be. 
Um, the last two children's quilts I did, I left full pajamas, so full onesies and everything. And they were for kids who are five and three. And that way they're interactive as well. And so they've got zippers and things. And I just warned mom, uh, you know, check the zippers before you put it in the wash. <laughs> Everything's very machine washable. Everything's lifetime warranty. Uh, you know, if anything comes apart, whether it's a snap comes off or there seems to be a little tear where maybe a seam didn't match up quite away and I didn't catch it. Um, I am more than happy to fix that and repair it or adjust what, what is wanted. Um, Another one, I used a bunch of shirts and, and I ended up using the shirts as background pieces as well. Okay. So. You also shared about um, some people go to the thrift shops and pick out really cute novel baby items in case they want a comforter made for a friend or, you know, as a gift. Yep. Want to share anything? I think that was really creative also. I'm an extremely thrifty person. I always grew up that way. So, um, and I grew up in the thrift stores. So I know what you can and can't kind of find in there when you're looking. And it's uh, always best for me when I'm not looking, I find what I need. Um, even just personal quilts I've done for myself or for my boys. Um, I've used, gone to thrift stores and I find things that remind me or have that memory. I wanted to be a ballerina. Never happened. So when I did one of my own quilts, I went to a thrift store and the little girl section always has dance stuff and ballerina stuff and found the Nutcracker uh, t-shirt and stuff like that. So I've been able to add all that kind of stuff in because those are nostalgic memories for myself. That's really cute. Well, let, let's shift back to the dyslexia um, issue with your son. And mm -hmm. I'm real curious, when you started seeing your son struggle with reading, did it dawn on you? Well, you didn't get diagnosed till college, right? Right. Yeah. So were you seeing those signs in your son right away? Or what symptoms no. of dyslexia were you seeing in him? It's actually been really difficult to see it. He's always been a great reader up until the last couple of years. Um, he's also a mild autistic. So I wasn't sure if it was a part of that or whether it had to do with the reading. He was always been a fan of comic books and things like that, unless it's a story that really gives that imagination part right now he's extremely involved in books about dragons and um, it's this whole series that he reads when he's at his father's house and he's just enthralled by the whole thing and it's fantastic and I tell him oh give me the story and see how much he can recall when it comes to something like that he recalls it amazing. He's just like his mom. Um, when, it comes to, yeah. when it comes to something like, would you learn in English? Oh, not much. Yeah, and just, just for the audience's information, um, Rebecca's son is 13 years old. So he's in middle school. And um, also something that the dyslexic children are reading and even non-dyslexic children read the comic books and we call them graphic novels mm -hmm. and they're great. They, I mean, it, they're pictures and the kids really engage in those. And yeah. they weren't always my preference when I would see the kids reading those when I taught middle school, I would ask them to read it. And I'm like, okay, but how do you read a regular book? Yeah. But I think to develop the interest in reading and develop the comprehension, they're a lot of fun for kids. And 
parents are just so glad their kids are in a book, right? Absolutely. And now they have those longer ones, which I'm more happy with than the ones we grew up with, which were like maybe 20 pages. Now they have these full chapter ones, which is better. And I prefer that. Um, But then you also have books like um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, where it's got random goofy pictures throughout it. And so it helps to portray. um, But I love seeing and having him tell me what he's reading when I can hear his story and his version of it. Yes. Eventually I'll, I'll pick up the books and I'll actually read them because that's something that I do enjoy too. Um, But he's actually been telling me, he's been telling me and I've just asked questions. I'm like, so I'm just curious about your reading when it comes to schoolwork versus these books. Um, And you're hesitant on reading now when you're with me, which you never were before. What's going on? Are you, can you describe it for me? Not what you're reading, but how you're Mm -hmm. reading, what you're seeing. And that's where I'm getting a lot more of the clues about it and how he's seeing things. So he's been diagnosed as dyslexic. Not officially. No, it's just been, it's been uh, just, my experience and what I've read and, and what I've heard from you with your presentations and everything that um, I look and I go, you know, I see it more than I see his brother and his brother's 15 and I don't see it in him at all. Um, but there's definitely something different when, when my youngest reads. Okay. So do, um, when you think about next steps for your son, are you thinking of going to the school or getting him assessed by an outside source? I could do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I definitely would love to have that to done. He, to see if he could get the support he needs, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Um, okay. There's a little bit of familial conflict, but it's definitely something I push for and want to have done. It's been more complicated with everything being virtual right now, um, but they are going back to school. I got word yesterday, um, April 5th but they only have school till the end of May. So there's not a whole lot of time to get anything done. I'm probably going to have to push off as far as involving the school district until next year. Well, we're going to have to continue this conversation between you and I, but how can people reach you? Because as we wrap this up, we have about two minutes left. How can people reach you? Well, by all means, I uh, love getting text messages. It is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Uh, My number is 909-520-520. Five three eight one. Um, I'm also everywhere online and have my own hashtag. It's right behind me, Blue Jean Comfort, and it will take you directly to my Facebook, where you can get a hold of me. And uh, as far as my business goes, and if you want to see what's going on in my life, and uh, I have nothing to hide, you're definitely welcome to check out my personal Facebook page. That'd be great. And uh, are you on Instagram also? My business is on Instagram. And so um, uh, everything's under the same name. I like to keep it easy. (laughs) Any final words you'd like to say to the audience before we go? I hope that this can help people, whether it's a mom, a dad, full families, um, split families, um, whether you're looking for sharing your memories, making a snuggle, or you just have questions about raising a a dyslexic or an autistic, either way, um, definitely, by all means, contact me. Okay, thank you, Rebecca. Uh-huh. We want to thank you all for being with us here today. I just want to urge you to remember dyslexia is not a four-letter word. We should be discussing it, 
We should be helping our students so that they can reach grade level reading by fourth grade. And again, I'm Dr. Marianne Cintron, Alexia Solutions, with my special guest, Rebecca Panowitz. Thanks for being for listening to this podcast in its entirety. If what we shared today has inspired you, would you please visit our website, dyslexia-solutions.com and consider making a donation so that we can keep these podcasts going. Also, please subscribe to our channel and find me on, on Instagram, Marianne Sintron. Thank you again for tuning in and may God bless you.